Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Now, before I come to my message, I do want to obviously share a couple of thoughts of the, obviously from this week. Thursday morning, I went to a, a, an Are You OK breakfast, as you can see, Are You OK? Um, which really has to do with uh, suicide, but predominantly um, it's, a, it's a place where men are far overrepresented. And uh, in the building industry, construction industry, it's a, I think it's about eight times higher than other places. So it's quite a large area. And I think part of the, that overrepresentation of men is, is our, our inability or our unwillingness to get help and to reach out for help and sometimes even to help others. We don't want to meddle in someone else's life. Uh, many of us will know someone, either friends or family, who have been impacted by this tragedy of suicide. Um, and in church life, we should be the most available people for others. And the Bible said we should have the same care one for another. You know, in a church this size, we can't all know everyone, but we should know half a dozen or maybe a dozen people and build our friendships and connections up that we can care for one another effectively and have the courage to ask the questions of people honestly, are you okay? And then be willing to hear a painful answer and then be willing to journey with people in that. And can I encourage you, the church should be the place where we actually do help one another and we're there both courageous enough to humble ourselves and get help, but also available to give help when it's needed. So um, Thursday was, are you okay? Well, right now that question is very relevant for a whole nation because that day in England, but the next morning at 3.30, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And uh, a country, a nation, a kingdom, a commonwealth, and much of a world is in mourning. And I think it's right if we today, we just take a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand. We just have a minute's silence and give honour where honour is due. Will you stand with me? Let's just take a moment. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for a life of this woman who's been lived in serving her country, making so many sacrifices many people will never see, bearing many pressures that many people will never understand. Lord, I pray that the family would be comforted and that some of her words would impact people's lives, her Christmas messages and other thoughts that have been publicly spoken. I pray the legacy of her faith would also touch people's lives. We thank you for her. And Lord, whether people agree or disagree, that's not the question. It is right to honour. And we give honour right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
If you're on Facebook, I'm sure you will get a heap of posts with comments the Queen is supposed to have made. Can I say, please don't believe them all. Saw one that was actually a comment by Queen Victoria that's been attributed now to Queen Elizabeth. It wasn't her. Please be careful what you jump on and go, wow, that's wonderful. Start sharing stuff that isn't true. I mean, there are things we want to believe about her. Uh, please don't, don't share stuff unless you at least check it out. I'm very careful with that. I did check this one out and uh, it was actually a public speech, a letter she sent to uh, the Anglican Church's international gathering, some 650 Anglican ministers. She sent this letter to them and let me read the comment to it. Some of it's on the screen behind me. Throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide and in them I find hope. It is my heartfelt prayer that you will continue to be sustained by your faith in times of trial and encouraged by hope at times of despair. Now, I, I just think, what, what a wonderful statement. Now, I, I don't care if you want to be political, apolitical, or non-political, or bipolar. I don't care. There's someone says they want to follow the teachings of Christ and she's done the best she could at his messages and teachings. I think that's a good start. And I think it's an amazing comment. And it's actually something I want to delve a little deeper into because you can't say things like that unless you have a foundation for what you choose to believe. And the foundation of our faith is very clearly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know we normally do this around Easter time, but I actually think it's a good thing to talk about today. It's a good thing to talk about the resurrection because it it takes Christianity from um, a, a philosophy to something that's bigger than that. It takes it past a code of conduct. It brings this to the divine message of the goodness of God to the human race. And the resurrection of Christ is God putting his seal of approval on Christ as the Son of God and then underlines the value of his death because it was the resurrection followed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that transformed the followers of Jesus and sent them out into a world to preach good news. A dynamic change in life. If Jesus had not been resurrected, he would have been like Moses and Elijah and the Old Testament prophets who had died and the message would have been no better. But the fact that he was raised from the dead gives us a foundation that goes beyond the grave. It's a foundation where faith allows us to see above the natural. It's it's in that faith that someone like Queen Elizabeth could actually pray that people be sustained by your faith in times of trial and encouraged by hope in times of despair. Without that confidence, assurance of a resurrected Lord and the resurrection and the impact it has, you can't actually get comfort that's eternal. And and the evidence that backs it up, there's so much evidence that the people who want to deny it actually are in many ways academically, willfully in denial of evidence. There's an empty tomb. It had a grave clothes in it with nothing, no person. The failure of all the other excuses and explanations to try and rationalise that Christ didn't die or was swooning or something else, that there's no explanation outside the resurrection. The fact that there are so many reported appearances of his resurrection 
You know, it's, this is not like one person telling a story, nor is it about one group of people only. It's not 10, 12 people, it's hundreds of people, not only those who believe, but those who are antagonistic. Those who are against the message were people who were impacted and had encounters with the resurrected Christ. And so we have those appearances. And then we have the, the, what they call the, like psychological evidence. What changed? A bunch of wimpy, grieving, hiding away, fearful followers after, after the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit became emboldened to preach and teach and put their lives on the line for something that they believed to be fully true. Now, you don't die for a figment of your imagination. And so these people had a conviction that helped them face all the persecution, still believing beyond the grave that God was always going to be good. Sometimes it's in this life. Sometimes it's rewarded in eternity. Read Hebrews 11. Some had great rewards in this life. Others died and suffered and were persecuted, but they held faith that there was always going to be an eternal reward. So we have this transformation of people. And if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, it would have been a failure. The resurrection gives us the assurance that what we believe is not in vain. It's his mission did not end in failure. The crucifixion, the tomb and the resurrection are a success. They're a success story which brings hope to a broken world that brings life and the opportunity. And everyone, you know, Christianity is the most equal opportunity faith in the world because we all have opportunity to be the children of God. We all have opportunity to be forgiven of all of our sins because Jesus' death paid for all the sins of the whole world. Now, it's believing that makes, gives us the possibility to receive that. God won't force it, but He gives us the opportunity. And ultimately, we have this confidence that even death will be defeated. So death no longer has the sting that it used to have. So the resurrection is more for us as Christians than just a past happening. It plays a vital part in our living today. It shapes how we should view the world. It brings us hope and it should motivate us to live for Him regardless. It teaches us in the Bible that Christians need to be ready to be like Jesus. In fact, they were called followers of the way. They wanted to emulate and imitate the life of Christ, His belief, His teachings, His actions. They wanted to carry that on and so should we. His death and His life make such a difference to us. And so if Jesus died to self when He prayed, Father, not my will but Yours, and we see that the resurrection is a result of death to self, and that's a great victory, then church, it should not be hard for us as Christians to recognise that death to self brings victory. You know, in regard to Queen Elizabeth's death, you know, most people are very positive. They're honouring her, respecting. But, you know, there will always be people who will want to make a negative comment. You know why? Because they're selfish. They're self-absorbed. They think, they, they think their world is the only world. And regardless of who it is that dies, if you're hurting, you want people to at least be respectful. These people are not. So please, 
Here's a woman who gave her life to serve. I don't know if you know much and you'll hear things about her journey. And I would encourage you to listen to how she lived. Listen to some of her journey in her early years. She joined the forces during the Second World War, got her hands dirty in the grease. So if you're a motor mechanic somewhere in your life, then Robert, that'd be you. Then you have, you have something to connect with Queen Elizabeth II. She worked as a motor mechanic. She was actively engaged in serving. King Charles has already made comments that he will leave some things that he loves because they don't fit with the role he's going to step into. Well, see, sometimes we have no idea. He will leave things that I I actually disagree with, but he is passionate about and leave that to someone else because he's taken on a role. So he's dying to self. And whether we agree with him or not, he's dying to self. That's the role. And Christians, we should die to self like Christ died to self our self-interest, and we should believe then that dying to self actually brings us life. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will actually find it. If you keep it, you will lose it. So death to self, like Christ, brings us an assurance, brings us a hope. It brings us this confidence that whatever sorrows, whatever whatever battles we go through, whatever um, griefs we have, they don't have the final say. What Jesus does has the final say, and that's resurrection. And those who die in Christ, when we go to a funeral of someone who loves the Lord, and and I've been to that recently, we're losing my father-in-law, who's been a dad to me for the last 19, 20 years, plus a lot longer before that, but my only dad for the last 19, 20 years. There's a grief, but there's also a confidence. The grief, it's still grief, but it doesn't have the sting it used to have because it's not the final word. Christ has the final word. It's resurrection, eternal life that has the final word. And you know, the Bible is not afraid. You know, our faith should never be afraid, nor should we, when people want to oppose and deny resurrection. You say, well, you know, fine, do your best to disprove it. You know, plenty of people have tried to do that. A guy called Frank Morrison, who was a former sceptic, comes to this conclusion. The third day he rose again from the dead. (laughs) You know, he'd intended putting a final nail in the coffin to deny the whole thing. But in his research, he only came to realise Jesus actually had risen from the dead. Here's another comment. He said, fascinating in its lucid, its almost incontrovertible appeal to reason. In other words, looking at all the evidence... And look at all the reason you can have around the evidence. The conclusion is it's pretty much incontrovertible. You cannot disagree with the evidence. In, in June, 2000, June 26, 2000, the USA ABC aired a documentary called The Search for Jesus. It's clearly, clearly anti-Christian in its presentation. Um, they essentially used extreme liberal theologians who were, everything's just happening, you try to reason away everything. Uh, and so it was anti-supernatural, anti-Christian in its core. Uh, Peter Jennings, who was the lead anchor, interviewed many of these liberal and a select few conservative scholars uh, of early Christianity about what we can know historically about Jesus' life, death and resurrection. The, the series ends with a striking statement by a New Testament scholar, Paula Fredrickson, who's not a Christian herself. I don't know how you can be a New Testament scholar and not know Jesus. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, that's, that's she, so she's, she's not Christian, meaning she's actually anti-Christian. And he, she makes this comment. I know in their own terms, what they saw was the raised Jesus. 
That's what they say. And then all the historical evidence we have afterwards attest to their conviction that that's what they saw. I'm not saying that they really did see the raised Jesus. I wasn't there. I don't know what they saw. But I do know that as a historian, they must have seen something. Now, now, let's not, let's just mock her, but let's just step back and see, let's translate that to English that we understand. She's admitting, in other words, that according to the best available historical evidence, it confirms that the followers of Jesus, like Mary Magdalene, his brother James, Peter, the other disciples, and even an enemy, Paul, were absolutely convinced that the crucified man Jesus appeared to them alive, raised from the dead. She just chooses not to believe the evidence. In other words, she's saying all the historical evidence says Jesus was risen from the dead. We have nothing but that confirmation. But I wasn't there, so I don't believe it. I'm sorry, if you not being there means you can negate history, that's a problem. That's a problem if you're going to negate history just because you weren't there. Because I can tell you, there's a lot of things people aren't there for. We weren't there for the Holocaust, most of us. It happened. There are deniers everywhere, but I'm sorry, the vast majority of us know the truth. It happened because there were people there who saw it, who recorded it. For her to choose not to believe to me is astounding in a number of ways. Firstly, to deny the evidence, but it also astounding in showing her bias. See, the trouble for her is once you establish that the resurrection can occur, it's pretty hard to undo that thought process. Now, from a biblical point of view, both Old and New Testament, there were a number of resurrections. We, we have at least nine or 10 plus a lot more. We have the widow of Zarephath's son that Elijah rose from the dead, raised from the dead, the, Sh- the Shunammite woman's son that Elisha, so Elijah, Elisha. We have the man tossed into Elisha's tomb that was raised from the dead. We have the widow of Nain's son that Jesus healed. We have Jairus' daughter that Jesus healed. We have Lazarus who Jesus rose from the dead. We have Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, that Peter raised from the dead. And a guy called Eutychus who fell asleep in the window while listening to Paul preach the whole night. Now, I'm not gonna preach that long. And you're on chairs. If you're on the balcony, stay away from the front. (laughs) I mean, now, there's one more, but I'll touch on that in a moment. All those people are raised from the dead, they died again. They all died again. They will await the final resurrection. But they they died. They were raised, but they died again. And, you know, the medical world, and please, I'm not against doctors in any way, but there are a group in the medical world that that have a, a thing they call the Lazarus Syndrome. And that's when people have died and then apparently spontaneously come back to life. But if you read up, the Lazarus syndrome exists in the context of within 10 minutes of the heart stopping beating. That's generally where they don't go much past 10 minutes. You know? So um, can I just say there's only one of those that I read that possibly could fit in that, and that would be Eutychus, who fell out the window and died, and Paul stops preaching, walks down, grabs him. That's the only one that could fit the Lazarus syndrome. The problem with the others is 
they go a bit longer than 10 minutes. And four days for Lazarus, that's a bit longer than 10 minutes. And so when you look at that, you go, well, the biblical accounts, and you need to understand that the Pharisees agreed with the Old Testament Scriptures that these resurrections happened. They believed in it. Now, for them, that becomes a problem because when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead after four days, then they have a problem because they don't want to believe Jesus is connected to God or sent by God. But we've got a resurrection that we don't want to have because it testifies that Jesus is from God. And so now they're caught between this, you know, we, we, we've said we believe in resurrection, but now we want to deny it. And you go, that's a problem. Now for the Sadducees, it wasn't an issue. They didn't believe anything. You know, if you, there's no life after death. There was nothing after that. You died, that was it. So these people have a problem because now we agree there's a resurrection, but we're going to deny that the person God used to raise the person from the dead was from God. That's borderline blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And just to clear that for some people, you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit without willingly, actively knowing that what happened was an act of God and you now attribute that to the work of the devil. Right? You can't unintentionally blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Right, so let's just step back and if ever you feel like, oh, I wonder if I've done it, the answer would be no, because if you'd done it, you wouldn't feel that. Right? The fact that you're still responsive, the Holy Spirit still works on you, you haven't blasphemed it. So please, don't let the devil take you down that rabbit hole. It's just a warren that's so big it's not funny. You haven't. It's almost impossible. These people were attributing what Jesus did with Lazarus to not be from God. That's borderline. They knew what they were doing. They believed in resurrection as a thing by God. Okay, so understand that. So there's one more that I want to talk about, which, is, which we actually touched on last night in a nexus just in general discussion. Matthew 27 says this in verses 52 and 53. This is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. In other words, lots and lots and lots of people who had been existing in Upper Sheol were raised from the dead at Jesus' resurrection. It wasn't only Jesus walking around the earth for 40 days before his ascension. Matthew says, well, there's a whole lot of other people. I don't know how many. I don't know how many, but we know there were a whole bunch of people who actually went into the city and met with other Jewish people who go, who are you? I'm Abraham. We just better check this out. We've got a mental health ward down the road. You know? um, so, so here is this, all these people raised from the dead. Now, for me, that's not an issue because... Revelation tells me when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with 10,000s, plural, of his saints. When Jesus ascended to heaven, the angels said to the disciples, what are you looking, just staring here? He will come again in the same way he's leaving now. So when Jesus left the earth, the cloud was not a fluffy white cloud, it was a crowd of witnesses who had been raised from the dead who were ascending back to glory. So those in Upper Sheol are now chairing Jesus back to glory. 
I can't remember which psalm it is. I think it might be Psalm 92, not sure. Where we have this response where there's this cry from, from going toward heaven. Open up your gates and your everlasting doors and the King of glory will come in. And there's a response from heaven. Who is the King of glory? And the response from these people cheering Jesus back is the Lord mighty, strong in battle. And, and so it's, it's this image of all these resurrected saints pre the crucifixion, cheering Jesus back into heaven with throngs of joy. But again, just a, by, just a byproduct. The resurrection is something we need to hold on to clearly. It's a foundation for our faith. Now, you can read 1 Corinthians 15 yourself, search it through. Paul is so adamant that it is imperative to our faith. A number of men, Josh McDowell was anti-Christian. In the research, he became a Christian. There are a whole, who moved a stone, the, the author there, and there's Lee Strobel, anti-Christian, who becomes a man of faith, believing he's, he's tried to attack this resurrection account and he's come to the conclusion it must be real. Church, I, I could, I've got half a message to go, but we've run out of time. Can I just say, the resurrection is imperative to our faith and the evidence for it is really indisputable. The only way you can deny it is if you choose to disbelieve the evidence. Now, in a moment, those who are getting water baptised, I'd love you, if you want to go get ready, when you get ready, just come down the front here, over the side, try and work your way probably on the steps because we're going to have our children come in and watch your water baptism. So if you're getting water baptised, please go and get ready right now. Thanks, Rob, you can go get ready. Musicians, singers, you might want to get up on stage quickly. You know, baptism has a number of things we identify with. We can start bringing the children if they want to. One of them is the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. See, when people, are, they choose to die, they're buried in the water and they're raised up to newness of life out of the water. It's a symbol of the resurrection. It's something that emphasises, reminds us that resurrection is a core part of our faith. Come on, bring the kids in. They're coming in to watch the water baptism as we do. Look, here they're coming in now. We actually bring our little fellas there, little ones. How good is that? Uh, we're going to sing a song or something, War two, aren't we, Timu? So Timu's going to look after you. Um, church, the resurrection, real, pretty much indisputable. And the fact that all our lives have changed today, He still lives in you and me. Let's have hope no matter what the circumstance.